Welcome to the Earning the Push podcast. I'm Jack Murley, and this week, myself and co-host, professional rugby player Charlie Beckett, look at some big moves on Monday Night Raw, courtesy of new WWE champion Big E. There's NXT 2.0 talk, Extreme Rules, AEW Grand Slam, Crown Jewel, and why the Lesnar-Reigns match happening there continues to make some fans feel uneasy, plus the start of your suggestions on the best and worst gimmick matches, and so, so much more. All coming up right now on Earning the Push. Everyone's been waiting for that big push for Big E and hopefully we get it now. I think he'll be a brilliant champion and there's nothing he can't do. He can talk, he looks great, he can go in the ring. It just seems a no-brainer to have him as WWE champion, really, doesn't it? And that's no slight on Bobby Lashley, who I think has been brilliant in his reign. And again, last night looked like an absolute killer with the way he dealt with Roman Reigns and Big E and, and the Usos and the New Day on Raw last night. It was beautifully done. I kind of like that Biggie was like on Twitter. The day was like, yeah, I'm cashed in tonight, just so you all know. that That's happening tonight. And WWE needed to do something, didn't they? All the talk, all the buzz was around AEW. And I think they pulled the trigger on the right thing. I think they did as well. And I think there's two things to, to praise them for. Not only the how, but the why they did it. Let's talk about the how first. Where I think WWE trumps AEW is the way, when they want to, they can thread a story through a whole show. I find AEW tends to say, here's your segment on uh, Malachi Black and Cody, and they're almost one-and-done segments. WWE is really good at giving you those hooks, and that hook from the tweet earlier in the day to him coming out first thing on Raw to the cash in itself, brilliant, brilliantly done. They're always the best shows WWE do. They do it on SmackDown with Roman Reigns quite a lot, where they, they thread one story throughout the show. So other things are happening, but you still have the main story building throughout the show and to the main event, and when they do that, that's when their weekly television's at its best. I know you couldn't do it every week because it'd be exhausting, but those, those shows, like last night on Raw, you start with the Bloodline and the Usos and you finish with the triple threat with Bobby Lashley, Roman and Big E. And it just, that continuity, I think, gives the show a real platform and a real, it's easy to watch and enjoy, I think, because you kind of know what you're going back to. It, it, it's very, very well done by WWE. That's the how they did it. The why is interesting to me. Is that a response to Raw being stale? Is it a response to the NFL, to Dynamite, or, or all of the above? Because it's it's a big change to what they were doing. Yeah, I think probably a mix of all of the above. I think if you say, well, first of all, obviously, like you say, NFL is back. Monday Night Football, everybody will take a huge chunk of their audience if they don't have something good to watch. Because obviously NFL, very exciting, hugely supported game in, in America. So... They need to do something when that comes back around, as it does every um, every September. But I think anyone who would who would say that it's nothing to do with what's happening over at AEW, I think that would be, I think you'd be mistaken. I think if Vince hasn't sat up and gone, oh, hang on, these guys might be a bit more competition than I thought in the last month or so, then I think he's killed himself as well. So I'd be shocked if that wasn't on his mind making the decision. And I think it's a good thing. I think some people will say, uh, oh, you know, WWE just responding to AEW. Well, why not? I mean, you're an athlete. You're, you're a competitive person. I, in my day job, present um, radio shows. And, and if someone somewhere else is doing something, getting attention, or somewhere, a team somewhere else is, is, is acting up to a different level, you want to match them. You want to show that, no, you're the best. Yeah, competition makes everyone better. Competition is not a bad thing. There's, there is... There is zero downside to having two wrestling 
um, companies having some actual competition in the industry. There's zero downside to that for us, the fans, for the wrestlers, for the industry. It's just brilliant. So we're done Raw. We'll do NXT 2.0 in a moment or two because I want your thoughts on that. But we're heading towards Extreme Rules this Sunday in Ohio. Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair, one of the headline matches. Roman Reigns versus the Demon version of Finn Balor, the other. I was scratching my head as I was doing a bit of prep for this show. It is Extreme Rules, right? Yeah, they haven't announced any of the... Well, they did last night. Last night you saw Roman versus Finn was announced as an Extreme Rules match. But apart from that, nothing can be given a stipulation, which is very, very strange. It is less extreme than some versions of Monday Night Raw or, or, or SmackDown on Fox that we've seen. And it does seem to be a show that's a little bit lost in the shuffle because Roman's got about three different feuds going on. He's got the New Day, he's got Finn Balor, and he's got Brock, which we now know will be happening in Saudi Arabia in October the 21st. I really wish that match wasn't in Saudi Arabia. I really wish it wasn't because for all the political reasons that we won't get into, I'm very conflicted about watching the Saudi Arabia shows. I'll probably watch that match and that will be it. To be fair to them, they've made Brock versus Roman a match I have to watch. You could have it in the gates of hell and I'd probably end up having to watch it. Satan himself could be on commentary and I'd have to listen to him. Like, you have to see that match, don't you, as a rest fan? You have to. But does, does the stage take away from some of the majesty of it? Because when Brock came back at SummerSlam, we were saying this is a legitimate WrestleMania main event, quite, quite possibly if they wanted to go that way. And what we're seeing is it in about two months after Brock came back, give or take, in Saudi Arabia at a show that many fans like yourself, like me, are very conflicted about. Yeah, and it's not just the confliction on that. The, the stigma of um, having a match in Saudi Arabia, there haven't been many good matches at their shows there, have they? It's got the reputation of being a bit of a bad show, just from a purely wrestling point of view. You straight away take a Goldberg and uh, um, take a Goldberg, Goldberg, Wyatt, and uh, DX versus the Brothers of Destruction spring to mind as three of the worst. And they've all been the last two, three years in Saudi Arabia. So I highly doubt it'll be the only match they have. I can see some sort of non-finish. Uh, I don't know how they do it, but they're just giving the big names to Saudi Arabia to keep them happy with their money, aren't they? And then hopefully we'll get the actual match um, at a big pay-per-view over here sometime. But I don't know when, because you then jump to... Survivor Series, don't you? Where it'd be, you'd imagine Big E versus Roman, which would be really good. Um, so do you push it to the Rumble? Is that the Rumble match? I don't know. I don't know where they put it in. It, it, it's an awkward one. It's almost like a... I've always thought of those those crown jewel shows in Saudi Arabia as almost non-canon. They're almost yeah. like a glorified house show. Yes, they build towards them, but they don't really feel significant in the grand scheme of what WWE does. And yet this is the most significant match WWE has when we were trying to fantasy book the end of Roman Reigns. This was really the only match that we could come up with. And and it just doesn't sit right with me. The crowd, hopefully they prove us wrong. Hopefully it's an electric crowd. It's a great match. And everyone goes, yes, it was a place to do it. I'm just not convinced. No, same, especially when they do such a good job with the storytelling on SmackDown. Paul Heyman just... Chef's kissed Paul Heyman. He's so slimy and smug. The way he goes from genuinely on his knees worshipping you, my tribal chief, to he just will do what it takes to survive, only Paul Heyman. Because then he's in the ring, one-on-one with Brock Lesnar. 
and he slips straight back into being Brock Lesnar's advocate, doesn't he? With the big, oh, I didn't realise how much I'd missed Brock Lesnar till I heard him do it again. I was just sat here smiling. Yeah, Paul Heyman is a storytelling genius. The demon is back. Let's not breeze past that. The demon is probably going to get fed to Roman Reigns. I've seen some disquiet in some corners of social media about the fact that this demon mystique is going to be crushed by Roman Reigns. I, I don't see it that way my, myself. I think it adds to the match, and I think Finn will be fine losing to Reigns because everyone loses to Reigns at the moment. I don't think it will ruin the demon. It, it's just strange, isn't it? Because we haven't seen him for, what, three, four years, his demon persona. So there'll be people who don't know what this is, who are now fans of who have come back to wrestling or... Roman's title runners got them back into it. Like, what, what the hell is this? Um, they need to do some storytelling around it on Friday night, I think, before we go to Extreme Rules Sunday. Of course he's going to lose. Of course he is. What he needs is to push Roman closer than anyone has before to protect it. And it's an Extreme Rules match. I want to see him be really quite brutal with Roman. And the easy way you protect him is you just throw the Usos in and you make it three-on-one at the end. That I need to protect it straight away because I don't care who you are. Three on one, you shouldn't be overcoming the odds. And he can overcome them for two or three minutes to start with. And then the numbers game just become too much for him. I think you show how dangerous the demon is, you protect Finn, and you still get Roman out of there with the title, which is what you've got to do. Don't you need to keep Roman stronger, though, given Brock is coming up? Doesn't Roman need a strong win? A, a win where Roman relies on the Usos coming up against the strongest babyface that WWE has ever pushed in Brock? Maybe, but Roman has won by where the Usos the whole way through this reign. That's nothing new. That's not he's suddenly clamouring. Roman hasn't been. As much as he has had great wins and he, he um, pinned Edge and Bryan at WrestleMania, he's also won matches because of Jimmy and Jay. So it's not new. He will he will do what it takes to win. He doesn't care. He's not standing there being like, I have to do it the noble way. So I absolutely see the point, but I don't see any other way that you keep some sort of mystique or protect Finn as well. And you can't, it's that, it's that complicated and tricky situation you spoke about, isn't it? Of you build this incredible champion you have, but are you doing it to the sacrifice and the detriment of the rest of your roster at the moment? Ironically, I think WWE has the model to follow on Brock Lesnar's past few Survivor Series matches because you could take the way Brock wrestled AJ and Brock wrestled Brian and just plug Roman into the Brock role and, and Balor into either of those roles. And I think I think you get there. So it'll be fascinating to see. And I think as much as we sometimes critique WWE, it's on a bit of an upswing at the moment. There's lots of good stuff going on. Becky Lynch against Bianca Belair as well. I'm still not sold on Becky coming back as a heel, but she's doing great work. I'd, I'd rather she was babyface, but her heel works great. Yeah, you can't, you can't knock what she's doing. Like I say, I think we all just want to cheer for her, don't we? We all just want to be excited that Becky Lynch is back. But she's doing great work. Just what must her and Seth's wardrobe look like at home? <laughs> all fur. All when they, faux fur. When, when, when Seth goes, darling, what should I wear today? And she goes, well, I was thinking of asking you the same thing. What, what, what I want to know is if that's what they're wearing, what are they saying no to? That's what true. Seth, what's Seth going... Oh, Becky, I'm not sure about that one today. And Becky, well, actually, Seth, that suit's not, that's not going to work. Oh, it just, but yeah, the obnoxious, the obnoxious clothing just suits them, doesn't it? Suits their character. It's very, very good. Like you say, you want to cheer for her, but she's doing great work as a heel. I hope her and Bianca get the 20 minutes they deserve to actually show what they can do wrestling. Uh, because I think anyone knows that would be a great match. We just want to see it. And it looks, sounds like 
from what I've been seeing on social media, they've been main eventing the UK house shows uh, mm. this week. And apparently they've been absolutely tearing the place down. So hopefully we see that extreme rules. Do you think we're on a path to get Edge and Beth Phoenix against Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch at some point? Because it's there. That hadn't crossed my mind until you just said it. That hadn't even entered the fathomness of my brain. That's not a word. But yes, I want that. Losers have to get divorced. <laughs> All right, Russo, we're, blimey. We're, talk, we're talking stipulations later. There's a new one. Okay. Put marriage on the line. Losers have to get divorced in that match. Oh, my goodness. I, I can see it now. Survivor Series, till death do us part, tag team match. Wow. There it is. Wow. Book it, Vince. There, book it. Book hey, it, Vince, Vince you, you can have that one for free. Let me just jump in here to remind you that this is your show. So if you want to get in touch, we would love to hear from you. You can tweet Jack underscore Murley or Charlie underscore Beckett. You can email earningthepushpodcast at hotmail.com. So don't be shy. Join the wrestling conversation. So elsewhere in the world of wrestling, last week we did a tribute show to NXT, the black and yellow brand. Last week we got the debut of what they're insisting on calling NXT 2.0, the Art Attack brand. It is colourful, it is bright, there are new faces. What are we thinking? I know it's only a couple of weeks in, it's hard to judge, but what was your gut feeling given that old NXT was your baby? Very colourful was my first feeling, it's very colourful. Biggest compliment I can give it was I didn't hate it. That's not a ridiculous thing to say. I'm probably saying because there was actually some good wrestling. Mm. And you, we heard all the issues of they're going to push the Giants against. We land the Giants. and Champa's the champ again. Tommaso Champa is back as NXT champion. I got no issue with that. Like, if we get another run like he had last time, then build your brand around him. So I think it was one week. And when you can't judge it, too harshly either way. It's been awful. We couldn't judge it there. It was actually quite a good show. I'm not as filled with dread as I thought I might have been, because especially when I saw also gutted for Samoa Joe. Really, really gutted for Samoa Joe. When I saw that, I was like, are they going to stick this title? It's a new brand. Are they going to stick it on someone out of developmental we've never heard of who isn't ready just because he has got the looks? And they didn't. They went with a safe pair of hands who's a brilliant, brilliant wrestler. My only gripe is I thought it was Pete Dunne's time. Mm. I really, really thought it made total sense to put that belt on Pete Dunne last Tuesday. Like I say, I'm not unhappy with Champa. I think it'd be brilliant. But new brand, new look, completely new champion, young, young, exciting. I just thought it made sense to go with Pete Dunne last week. So do we, as a collective wrestling community, owe Vince McMahon a little bit of an apology and need to eat a little bit of humble pie because he's taken our favourite thing and turned it round and we've gone, do you know what, Vince? We don't actually hate it. I'd say no if we hadn't done a whole show dedicated to the death of NXT. Which I'm not... <laughs> which I'm... Say it quietly, I'm now not sure NXT might be dead. I just think it's different. I will give Vince 50% way of an apology because I needed to see in a month that it's still going okay. But at the moment... I'm happy to say that NXT is not dead. I, I'm okay with that. Okay. And I'll say, I'll say a bit of a sorry, sorry, slowly, not quite fully flowing. Well, you know what Vince does when people need to apologise? There's a certain club, Charlie, that we may I, end up joining. I, I ain't going in that club. I, I, will, I won't do it. That's, it's I not think... as bad as you think, actually. Oh. Just take it from me. <laughs> How is that everything? Oh, sometimes... 
you'll, you'll be trying to sell wrestling to people and they're like, and then now and again, they'll just throw an argument at you. You can't win. And yeah. the kiss my ass comes on them. They're like, well, what was that about? And you're like, you win. Wrestling's rubbish. Yeah, you're right. It's stupid. What What can I say to that? What can I say? That was the age where I was, I was into wrestling by about a year, but I was still not old enough to have full control of, of the television schedules and what I watched and mum yeah. and dad had to record it for me. And they would say, so what are we watching now? I was like, um, actually, I won't watch it this week. It's fine. Yeah. I just don't no. need to see it. Uh, well, we'll talk more about bad gimmick matches versus bad gimmicks coming up a little bit later. But we're, we're this far into the show and we've not got round to AEW Grand Slam, where Tony Khan has just said, have it all. Like we were saying about All Out, he's gone one better than that again. We are getting Danielson versus Omega, non-title, sure. But we're also getting Sting and Darby against FTR. Cody against Black. We're getting Ruby Soho against Britt Baker. CM Punk's first TV match in seven years in a, a mammoth two shows for AEW. It's odd, isn't it, that we haven't spoken about them for the first 15 minutes of our show for the first time in a long time. But actually, they've done loads in the last week. More reason why it was a bad week for you to go away. I know. Um, Danielson versus Omega. Can't skirt over the fact that we're getting maybe maybe the most desired match in, in, in wrestling right now. Well, just um, hold on a moment. If we were talking in February of this year and someone said, you're getting Daniel Bryan against Kenny Omega, we would never have believed it. No, that's what you were fantasy booking at February this year. Everyone was. That's all we wanted. And now we're getting it. Um, someone was chatting to, I think, me and you. It was when you put the tweet about gimmick matches. And mm. they said they'd stopped watching wrestling recently. I just said, if you are a lapsed fan, now is the time to get back in because wrestling is really good right now. Like, really good. That's going to be, what's it they going to do? What's it they going to do in that? Is he, who's going to win? Here's what I think is going to happen. I think that is going to open the show. Yeah. I think that is going to open the show. I think Arthur Ashe Stadium is going to look fantastic. And I think Brian Danielson taps Kenny Omega out and that gets us to a title match down the line. That's what, that's what I think happens. I also think Bray Wyatt, formerly known as, shows up at the end of the Cody Alistair Black match. I think. Why do you think that? No reason, apart from my fantasy booking hat on, I think Alistair Black beats Cody and has a comprehensive win over him. And then the lights go out as if Alistair Black is celebrating and we get... Uh, former Bray Wyatt in, in the ring because AEW is great with surprises. I could be completely wrong. I got no yeah. information, but I just have a feeling. I just have a feeling. Do you think, do you think they're going to double down on Malachi Black squashing Cody? Yeah. I mean, it depends on positioning, doesn't it? Because I, you, are, you either do one of two things, I think. You double down on it or you have a double turn because the fans are souring on Cody I, I think personally, you hear those reactions and in the babyface depth chart, you've got Brian Danielson, you've got um, Darby Allen, you've got CM Punk, you've got John Moxley, you've got uh, Hangman Adam Page, and then probably you've got Cody. And people just aren't buying into him, in my opinion, the way they used to. So I think you do either a double turn or you debut a surprise at the end of that. Um, also, Ruby Soho versus Britt Baker is going to be fantastic. And you feel for Ruby a little bit because... Her debut's maybe gone under the radar a little bit because of, oh, I don't know, Punk and Danielson, which is understandable. And Cole. 
Cole. And Cole. Yeah, God, they all came round. I, how am I forgetting that Adam Cole turned up as well? Maybe. Um, just, but she's doing some really brilliant work. I, did they put the belt on her? Do you make her a big deal like that straight away? No. I, I think, I think AEW is on the cusp of turning that women's division into something really special. And I think Britt Baker needs to keep the belt a little bit longer, in my opinion. You know, I agree. You've got Thunder Rosa, you've got Ruby Soho, you've got Nyla Rose. You've actually got a really strong women's division there. Um, It's just going to be, it's going to be a great week of wrestling to know that we can tune in, uh, either stay up for it late on Wednesday or wake up early and watch it on Thursday and know we get all these shiny matches in a stadium yeah. you know is going to be hot. It's fantastic. Yeah. It really, really is. What about, as well, just a note for whoever's doing the music for AEW, because you talk about how much how great WWE music is. Obviously, Punk's got cut of personality. He had to. I don't care how much Tony Khan had to pay for that. You pay the money. The man couldn't come out to anything else. Danielson and Cole's new music are absolute bangers. Yeah. They are absolute bangers. Daniel Bryan. I'm just going to call him Daniel Bryan for, for a second. We all know yeah. who I mean. And everyone who rags on JR about getting names wrong, Charlie and I have botched it about six the, times already. The, the man who... Does it look like he can't do his yes champ? I don't think he can do it. I think WWE owned the yes champ because he hasn't done it yet, has he? You watch him run down that aisle. He hasn't done a yes champ yet. Yeah, that... Do you know what? I don't know enough about it. I, I could see it being true. Maybe he just feels he wants to be a slightly different but the, Brian the whole, Danielson. The whole crowd are doing it. Everyone's yeah. doing it. And he hasn't... I wouldn't be surprised if Vince actually owns the rights to that, which is hilarious, isn't it? That you can't do this. Anybody <laughs> listen to audio for, I'm doing the yes chant. But that, I think it's amazing that someone can own that, if that's what's happened. But that new music, where it comes in with this, like, classical music, and then it hits, like, a, like a sort of rap, Grime, I don't know. I don't do music, but it's really, really good. And also, all I ever want is one day to run a rugby pitch, to run out and to turn to a stand and just point to myself and everyone shout boom. Because every time it happens, you can see how happy Adam Cole is. You watch it because anyone who's watched him on Up, Up, Down, Down or on his um, Twitch streams. Also, I got really emotional watching um, the party have to break up on Up, Up, Down, Down because Adam Cole had to leave. Because they got me, them playing Uno got me through that first lockdown a lot of the time. That was a highlight of my week then on a Wednesday. So I just got a bit emotional watching them. But anyone who's watched him knows he's actually just a bit of a loser, really, who's really good at wrestling. He's a massive nerd, like we all are. And he gets so excited every time he does that boom thing. You can see how happy it makes him. Um, but what a moment for him as well. Yes, NXT had takeovers, but he has been wrestling in front of 500 people yeah. maybe I, I don't know the exact numbers but that doesn't seem far off and now he's got 10,000 12,000 15,000 people and and I say it again you cannot underestimate the atmosphere at these AEW events I was thinking it when we had um Dan Lambert do that promo and cut off Jericho's music and the fans yeah. just thought no no we'll finish this thank yeah. you Dan and just sang yeah. it there's just so much depth in that roster and they just have to and I hate being a wrestling fan and being marks like we are, we have a podcast, you always look at the negative. They just have to manage it right. If they get it even 80% right, what are next three, four? They're set up for five years because there's so many stories to tell there. We're just who they've got now. Just who is there now. There are so many stories to tell. There is very little I won't watch that I'm not invested in. And I even go to something like uh, Miro against Fuego del Sol. 
and then Sammy Guevara runs down at the end, and, and you, people have been saying, well, where's Sammy? And now we're going to get Sammy versus Miro for the TV title, uh, the TNT title. Well, I'm, I'm invested in that because I know Sammy, and I think Tony Khan does a really good job of trying to bubble up people at the right time. I think sometimes he invests too much TV time into folks that really people aren't necessarily going to care about, but how much can you knock the guy? Look, look at what they've achieved in two years, Charlie. Tony, come to England. Come well, on, Tony. Come on, Tony. Come to England. I'm going to tell you this. Uh, my other show that I do in my day job, by the time this is released, people will know my guest this week is Nyla Rose from AEW. Just, just dropping that in like it's not a big deal. The man's had Sebastian Vettel recently, now Nyla Rose. I, I knew keep, this. I've, I've had to keep this secret for about five weeks. It's been yes. killing me. Nyla Rose will have been released by this point. <laughs> And uh, what what happens is, is she? I say, look, when are you coming to the UK? And she says, as, as as soon as soon as we're able to travel, we're booking it in and we're coming across there. And and the AW roster, from what she says to me, is is they want to be here because they've done the indie scene in the UK. They they know what UK fans are like. They want to to take this brand international. Yeah, and we will be there. Absolutely, yes. we will be there. It's so exciting. How would you feel about them doing it at Craven Cottage versus the O2? I would love that. And you said this to me the other week when we were speaking about it, and I've kept that secret as well. And it just makes sense, wouldn't it? Because he owns Fulham. So I don't know. He probably could do it at Craven Cottage because he owns it. And I love stadium shows. And it looks like AW enjoy doing stadium shows. They're going to Arthur Ashe this week. I think that would make perfect sense. And in London, do it in London. It makes sense to do it in London as well. Biggest city. I think that would be so fun. I think it would be an atmosphere that we haven't seen for a long time because a football stadium, soccer stadium, we haven't had a... We've ever had a major wrestling show out there apart from Wembley, SummerSlam 92? No, not one that comes to mind. It's always been arenas. Yes, that'd be huge. Um, and it would make sense. And I, I have no doubt he'd sell it out. And that's what, with the floor, that'd probably be 30, 35, 40,000, something like that. That would be, be carnage of the best kind. If you're listening to this, you clearly love professional wrestling. And the good news is, it's the most exciting time to be a fan in years. So help us grow the show by telling a mate about what we do here. Share a bit of love on socials and by rating, reviewing and subscribing wherever you get your pods from. And now, back to the show. Let's get in to best and worst gimmick matches. Oh, people got excited about this on Twitter, didn't they? This was a good shout. So this is going to leave us uh, for a couple of weeks. We're going to be doing this. The best and worst gimmick matches. I see on my screen, Charlie move over a big, big, big pad of paper. Um, We've got so many of these. I might do half of them this week and yours and then mine in the next half next week. How does that sound to you? That sounds like a very clever plan. Okay, let's do some of the ones that we've got from folks uh, on social media. You know where to find us now if you don't. Charlie underscore Beckett, Jack underscore Murley. Right, this is Tom, who says, how about the Doomsday Cage match, the Dungeon of Doom versus Hulk and Macho as being up there as the worst? It doesn't make much sense as a match. It's more like a bad 80s video game. Can't argue that point. Not at all, just hideous. Dave says, I've always felt that retirement matches were the absolute worst, especially when the loser always rocked up a couple of months later. And yep, retirement matches have never been for me. I can't think of a good one. Maybe, well, maybe Sean's was the last yeah. good retirement match. I, I replied to Dave on Twitter because I completely agree. It kills the match for me because like when um, 
when Roman put his career on the line against Cena recently, I was like, well, you're clearly not losing. Like any sort of jeopardy I had about you may, maybe losing is now gone because of course you're not retiring. Um, oh, I've got good another one. good one. I've got another good retirement oh. match. Trish against Lita. Yeah. Unforgiven 2006, 2007. Yeah. Now, yes, it, she Trish did come back, but she was gone for a good old chunk of time. And that was fantastic. Yes, no, that's a very good point. I'd forgotten about that one. The one I like, the one I said of the, the Sean Taker one, the Street versus Career on 26, was good because I genuinely didn't know who was going to win that because Sean could have ended the streak and it would have been acceptable. Like, it, it would be a man who could do it. And he was, you didn't think he was going to retire because he was still putting out five star matches. So, and it's that, wasn't it? Leaving wanting more, apart from the more we wanted wasn't that match in Saudi Arabia, Sean. That wasn't what we wanted you to come back for. But yeah, they killed. They kill the atmosphere a little bit because you normally know who's going to win because it's normally obvious who's going to retire. In my head, that match in Saudi Arabia doesn't count because Sean was bald. If Sean doesn't have his ponytail, it doesn't count. Uh, Phil says, uh, Jack and Charlie, the worst. It has to be Judy Bagwell on a forklift match just because WTF. Yeah, can't argue with that. Uh, Matthew says, uh, the best form, let's get some good ones in here, uh, has to be any form of ladder match. Um, controversially, though, perhaps a lot of cage matches can be a bit boring and a bit predictable. Yeah, so cage matches, I'll start with cage matches. They're, they're weird, aren't they? When they're done well, they're brilliant. But I think you've had this conversation on Twitter with them. It needs big guys in cages don't really work because they're just trapped and they can't do much with the cage if they're not particularly athletic. Whereas, like you said, the Bucks match recently was a brilliant cage match. Bucks and the Lucha Bros, because they could utilise the cage, they could use the gimmick to enhance the match. Whereas, I think it limits some people being put in a cage. So, I think it depends who's in the cage. Ladder matches, probably. I They're not one of my favourites, not my top three. But for a gimmick match that has had the best matches, yeah, ladder matches, because you have just straight ladder matches. Six-man ladder matches at WrestleMania have been brilliant. Money in the Bank, obviously, out of it. TLC, yeah, I think ladder matches. If I wanted to make a stipulation that I knew would be a good match, I'd go for a six-man ladder match because some of the best matches that ever have been them. I think it, it's an iconic. It's probably the most iconically brilliant gimmick match in wrestling, I'd say. But it's not in your top three. It's not one of my favourites now. <laughs> so it's the most iconically brilliant wrestling match in history, but it's not in your top three. No. Okay. I do you know what I think you're right there because because if you think about it. Name a promotion that hasn't used a ladder match in some form. Everyone has their own spin on it, but everyone uses a ladder match at some point. Instant excitement, instant stakes, um, instant thrill from the crowd uh, can be done in so many different ways. I do love a good ladder match. Yeah, and when you think of some of the best spots in gimmick matches, you always come back to ladder matches, don't you? You always come back to Edge at TLC uh, 2, to Kalisto doing the Surreal de Sol, off the top, oh, I can never say that move. The similar the, 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 the soul. Uh, I can never say it. Uh, exactly. Off the top of the ladder, um, when they, I think it was Usos. I can't remember, but everyone knows what I mean. It was Extreme Rules where he puts him through the other ladder. Yeah. He does it. It's very, very good. But yeah, I think it's it's how ladder matches have developed in the last few years as well. Like you see people doing things with ladders that you're like, I would never have thought that. I think two of the best are Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn when they're in ladder matches do things that you're like, I don't know how you've thought that up and then how you've not gone, I won't do that because it's really going to hurt. It's how yeah. they now use, when they put the ladders on their side and there's no give and they're, oh, when they're putting power bombs on them and stuff like that, that's just really, really painful, gents. 
So we'll do uh, ones from Scott and from Andrew and from Stephen next week. And remember, there's still time for you to get in on this as well. But Charlie, three best and three worst for me, please. We'll give you my three best. Hell in a Cell. I love Hell in a Cell matches when they're done well. And they haven't been done well for a while, but good Hell in a Cell matches, I think, are brilliant. When they're used right, because they're used not because it's October or whatever month of year, but because a feud needs it, they're done brilliantly. And when the cell's not red. So yes. not recent cell matches, but good, proper cell matches I love. I love when them. When was the last one you got the same feeling that you used to get as a kid when a cell was announced? The Usos versus the New Day. Oh, as recent as that? Off. Yeah, because I felt that feud needed, because that feud was just going on and on, and it needs a blow off. And they, well, they didn't, there was courts, they didn't hate each other, did they? There was respect there, but it needed to be finished. This feud was going to go on forever. So finish it in a cell. And they were, it was a brilliant match, and they were brutal with each other. They were brutal in there with each other. That bit where um, Woods is trapped in the corner by the kendo sticks, and the Usos just tee off on him. That, yeah, I thought, and, and it's, it's the fact that Big E's on the other side of the cage watching, just watching it happen, and you can't do anything. I thought that was brilliant. Before that, I think the 2015 Lesnar Taker one was a good match where they talked the ring to finish it, where they yep. talked the bottom of the ring. And then probably before that, the end of an era in 2012. I would have thought end of an era would be the one for me that made me go, that's a cell match of old. But actually, yeah, that that Taker-Lesnar match, particularly because when Brock had, uh, when Taker had gone out, he was looking as he looked. Yeah. For him to come back and go, no, boys, don't you worry. I'm still the dead man. I can still tear it up in the cell. Uh, so that's pick number one. What's next? I love an elimination chamber. I really enjoy Elimination Chamber matches. I love that. But if it is that they went, Vince went, right, in a cell, I'm going to throw more people in there. I hated that Armageddon Hell in a Cell. And it was just, it was like, that was a bit mad, actually. Even for Vince, he was like, there was a bit much going on there. But from that, Elimination Chamber was born. And some of my favourite moments in wrestling, the most iconic moments, are born at the end of Elimination Chamber matches as well. I'm thinking Edge's cash-in at New Year's Revolution 2006. It's just one of my favourite moments. I love that one, the first cash-in. When he gives the he gives the briefcase to Vince, like here you go, Vince. I love that. And when Sean popped up from under the chamber to super kick uh, Taker to set up twenty six, love that. I really enjoy elimination chair matches done well. The first one is brilliant. I love some of the women's elimination chair matches have been excellent. I really enjoy elimination chair matches. I think they are they're the one good development of cage matches. And oh, we'll get to a bad cage match in my bad ones. From Hell in a Cell. That's the only thing that's come after Hell in a Cell, I think, that has been good as a cage match. And I really enjoy them. And I get, ex- I-, I like them being used as like the part of the build to WrestleMania. But my favorite gimmick match of all time, and my favorite, it's my favorite pay per view of the year, is the Royal Rumble. It's the Royal Rumble. It's just, it, it's, it's the best. I will, I will argue with anyone that the Royal Rumble is the best gimmick match in wrestling. Okay. I, I feel I could take you up on that argument but I don't have the time to do it now. So maybe next week I will take you up on the argument for that. So I would agree that a brilliant Royal Rumble match is better than pretty much anything else in wrestling. An average Royal Rumble match can be quite dull. Yeah, but how good's a good one? When so that's get, enough, is it? The, the Yeah, when you get those surprises, those returns, storytelling. My favourite part of Royal Rumble is when two people who shouldn't be in a ring together are, and then, or who have, who have backstories from years ago and they've been separate and they come back together and 
calling back to storytelling. Oh, I love Royal Rumbles. And nothing gets me more excited than seeing who's going to be number 30. Now, don't get me wrong, that can be a huge disappointment as well. Was it um, 2016 when Roman Reigns came out at number 30? The obscenities I was screaming at the television at three in the morning was not okay. <laughs> but good Royal Rumbles are my favourite thing in wrestling, I would it's say. It's also given us the Vince McMahon sitting on his backside with both quads ripped, pointing at Cena and <sighs> Batista. And Titus O'Neil sliding under the ring. Now, I know that was the greatest one over his head that isn't, doesn't really count, but that will forever make me laugh. That will yeah. forever make me laugh. So if those be the best, what be the worst? I'm going to say it, and you're just going to go, yeah, and we'll move on. Jarby Prison. Yep. Can't, you can't see what's happening is the main thing. Just terrible. The whole thing is complicated. And it the looks fact like that, it's been designed by Alan Titchmarsh. It's all trellis. Yeah. And the fact that it was designed for Carly, and Carly couldn't compete in the first two ones of it. Just, all of it was just awful. Also, why are we designing matches for the great Carly? Why is that a man we've decided we need to make matches more complicated for? No. I hate wrestling matches. I'm like, well, that just, that wouldn't happen. That isn't a thing. So straight in is from last year, at 2020's Extreme Rules, eye for an eye match ah. between Rey Mysterio and Seth Rollins. <laughs> because <laughs> how am I expected to believe that you win the match by gouging the other wrestler's eye out? And Rey had his eye gouged out, and a year later... Fine, site's fine. So, no to that. No, that is no. Yeah, I mean, d even cutting a whole hell of a lot of slack for the pandemic, someone should have said, guys, go to sleep, come back tomorrow. Also, how have you looked at Seth Rollins versus Rey Mysterio and gone, that needs something else? Just give us that match. I just, so, I've an eye match. Um, yes. But for me, the worst gimmick match ever is from the 2004 Great American Bash. We've only ever seen one of these, and that is the Concrete Crypt match. Yes, I'd forgotten the Concrete Crypt match till you. <laughs> that's been that's been sitting in my subconscious for the best part of a decade. And you got a half. so you got so excited when I said 2004 Great American because you knew what it was straight away. So for anyone who doesn't know, and don't go and watch it, I'll give you the details now. Don't. Also, it's an Undertaker match that I'm going to hate as well. So this is how bad it is. In the main event of the 2004 Great American Bash, The Undertaker fought the Dudley Boys in a concrete crit match. What happened was, Paul Bearer was sat at the top of the ramp in a plastic Perpex box with concrete ready to come into the box from a concrete truck. And if Taker lost, the Dudleys got to pull the lever and they would murder Paul Bearer by burying him in the concrete crypt. Taker won. He, he uh, tombstones Devon and um, gets the one, two, three. Everyone's cheering. He walks up the ramp to where Paul Bear is. Paul looks really relieved because his mate's going to let him out. And there's been zero issues between Taker and Paul Bear up to this point in this story. And Taker just looks at Paul and just goes, I've got to do it, Paul. Pulls the lever and murders Paul Bearer. <laughs> and it was never mentioned again. I mean, there's so much to get into here. But obviously my background is commentary and I love the idea that that could have been a stipulation in an RFU championship match. And I could end a broadcast by going, and that ends with the uh, Richmond team being buried in concrete. Back to you in the studio. I mean, what? How do you, how? In wrestling, not just WWE, because, oh, WCW did some bad ones. There have been some terrible gimmick matches. I mean, I think TNA has got off fairly yes. lightly yeah. here as well. That's true. That's true. Yeah. 
Uh, well, look, don't worry. We have just started scratching the surface with this one. So we have many more good and bad ones to come. Uh, don't forget the ways to get in touch uh, at Jack underscore Murley, at Charlie underscore Beckett, earning the push podcast at hotmail.com. Right, let's send something back to developmental and something's getting a big push from everyday life in the final part of the pod. I'm cheating a bit with this one, Charlie. So I'm going to let you go first this week. What have you okay. got? So back to developmental for me this week is, and I suffer from them badly, and I've got three at the moment, which is why they're probably on my mind, is mouth ulcers. Oh, they're painful. And it's happening because I keep getting, I, when the season starts, which I get cuts on the inside of my lip from playing a lot, I split my bottom and my top lip on Friday night in our first game, and they've both become ulcers. And they just hurt so much, I can't eat properly. And then you get a bit of anything slightly vinegary or salty gets in them, and they're so painful. And yeah, I really hate them. I get bad ones. I get when I'm stressed as well, but these ones are just from cuts. So mouth ulcers can go back to developmental, but they don't even go back to developmental. I would release them and not wish them well for their future endeavours. They can just <laughs> just go away. I hate them. I hate them so much. They ruin my they ruin my day every yeah. day at the moment. I think what's getting a push from me is Tesco club cards. They're just so good. Like, did you? Did, sorry, did we get an endorsement deal when I no, was away? No. Do, do you have a Tesco club card? Do you ever shop at Tesco? Yeah, yeah, I shop there, yeah. yeah. How good are club card prices? I, do you know what? I never use them. I never use the... I, I, I got, I got um, coffee the other day. I got some ground beans that should have been £4.20 for £2 because it had a club card. There's bargains to be had all over... Because I do most of my shopping at Lidl. But I'll go in Tesco, just look for the club card price. Because I use my club card for my petrol. I get that at Tesco, so I get me points. And then I go in the shop and I got um, I did a £6.60 little shop the other day and I got £2.20 off it. That's a third. Tesco Club Card is brilliant. Anyone who's not using them is a mug, I've learnt. You're, you're, you're sounding like you're sounding like Martin Lewis if he hit the gym for a few years. This is this has turned into a very different podcast. I, I can't be bothered with the faff. I don't... What do, you, what do you mean the faff? You, get, you, you sign up, you send an email, they send you it for free. They, they say, here's one free. I haven't even got a card. I've got... I'm going to show you. So if I... I've got it. Look at me. This is technology. On my phone. Yeah. On my phone. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't bother with it. Well, you're obviously getting paid too much by the BBC if you don't no, want to save I... money. That's what's happening. Here's the other thing I do. I don't bother looking for the cheapest petrol prices. I just go where there's petrol. Now, you're burying your head in your hands there. I, I don't do the club cards. I just go where the petrol is. You don't and I are very me, different. Don't tell me. You, if you're doing a long drive, you won't stop at services for petrol, will you? Of course I will. It's where the petrol is. Jack, it's like 30p more a litre at services. But I can't do math, so that means nothing to me. Right, I, need, are... I, I need to put it in. I need to fill it so the little gauge goes and goes up to the top, and then yeah, I crack but then, on. But your wallet will go <laughs> down to the bottom. Yeah. Well, oh God. you're probably oh God. right, but I'm, I'm just a creature of habit. I'm a creature of habit. Okay, well, look, let's bizarrely give tesco's club card points a push do you want to push nectar and whatever as to do as well uh no but i have a little plus card. <laughs> no no tesco's better i have a little plus card that's quite good but not as good i got um when i get a free oh i got i um i got in the good books you know, the half of the day because i earned a free pastry from little bakery and i brought her a croissant back so she was buzzing so little little got me some boyfriend points of the week actually so well done little what, what exciting lives we both lead yeah. um right here's here's mine I don't know whether I'm sending it to push or developmental, uh, and I'm also not sure whether it counts because it's it's sort of a little bit wrestling-y, okay? I've been doing a lot of long drives recently, um, 
And I was list- I have a wrestling playlist, a wrestling entrances playlist. It's fantastic. And one of my favorites is Billy Gunn's Mr. Ass theme. Right. Are you aware of it? You know the I one? Am. I if am, I go, yes. I'm an ass man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Billy like. Gunn, yeah. So then I was looking at the lyrics, and I can't work out if these lyrics are of a disturbed serial killer or a happy-go-lucky lover of rump. Because, so I've written them down for you. Here's the lyrics. I'm an ass man. Yes, I'm an ass man. Yes. I love to love them. I love to kick them. I love to shove them. I love to stick them. And you think he loves his bottoms. That's fine. Mm. No, no, no. I love to flaunt them. I love to watch them. I love to pick them. I'm going to kick them. And then he goes back into the chorus. And you think, Billy, we get the point. There's the verses which I've actually researched. Are you familiar with the verses of this entrance? I can't say I'm familiar with the verses, no. So many asses, so little time. Only a tight one can turn me on the dime. I'm a lover of every kind. The best surprises always sneak up from behind. Now, at what point do you go, Billy, stop. You're not doing yourself any favours. I don't know what he's suggesting he's going to do to people here, but it doesn't sound good. I can tell you what he's going to do because the verses go on. Buns of of glory, buns of steel. Your lies won't give me the truth of how I feel. You walk behind me. I feel the heat. That's why the girls don't walk behind me on the street. I'm an ass man. Nah, that's got to go back to development. I'm sorry. That can't be pushed. That's got to go. But it's such a good song. It is, but when you now you've said the lyrics, I'll never be able to listen to it properly. It sounds like he's gonna. It sounds like he's doing really illegal things in the shadows. Do you know what it sounded like to me? It sounded like you like these Jed Mercurio type things. It sounds mm-hmm. like a BBC Two drama. They go to a body and they say, "There's another one, sir." But this time they've left a note. The ass man has struck again, and then <laughs> pinned to the body. <laughs> I'm an ass man. I love to love a man. It sounds like a murderer. It does. That's why we can't give him a push. He has to go back to developmental because he sounds like a mass murderer. But if we went to an AEW or WWE show, stood in the middle of the crowd and just went, I'm an ass man, everyone would respond. So can it really go back to developmental? This is why I'm in two minds. Yeah, I think it needs a rethink. Well, what could we do it in the PG era? era? <laughs> Maybe someone could write in and tell us how they'd redo it. Yes, if someone wants to rewrite this so it's socially acceptable, PG era, um, just, I'm a nice man. <laughs> Some, something like that. I'm a nice man. Right. Or is, okay. that e- is that equally creepy? It depends. Yeah, I, yeah, honestly, I'm nice. Honestly, everyone tells me I'm nice. I'm a nice man. Yeah, I'm a nice man. All right. Well, look, I've got that off my chest. Um, we are heading towards extreme rules. Is there any chance that Finn Balor comes out of that with the universal title strapped over his shoulder? No. Okay. And is there any chance that we see another big debut at AEW's Grand Slam? This will be out. People will know already by the time it's published. What do we think three days before? I would have said no until you pitched that Bray Wyatt idea earlier, which I'd re- it would be a really cool way to do it. So I don't know. I... I think no. I think no, but I'd love to be proved wrong. 
Well, we will know by the time this is out. Uh, next week, we are back with you full reaction and fallout from Grand Slam, full reaction to Extreme Rules. WWE continues down the road to Crown Jewel as well. Follow us both on social media, Charlie underscore Beckett, Jack underscore Murley. Emails to earningthepushpodcast at hotmail.com. Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your pods from. And tell a mate about us if you love pro wrestling. Until next time, we'll see you again soon. Bye-bye.